Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The following podcast may contain some strong language and adult themes. If you've got young children around, maybe save it until they've gone to bed. If you really don't like bad words, this pod probably isn't for you. Welcome to the Making Up the Numbers podcast. The Making Up the Numbers podcast is sponsored by Hope Technology, JTEC Suspension, Revolution Bike Park, Ride Southern Spain, Schwalt, from the world's finest independent mountain bike magazine, Single Track. Previously on the Making Up the Numbers podcast. I come through the finish and then obviously just got myself out of there because I was pissed off. And Aaron Gwyn stopped me in this little tunnel that we had to go through to get out. And I was like, I remember thinking, like, obviously I was annoyed, I didn't want to see anyone. And I remember thinking, why is Gwynny stopping me? Like, And he was like, are you all right, mate? You're, I was like, yeah, I'm fine. He was like, you were on one. And I was like, <laughs> was I? Because obviously I don't know anything. I didn't even look around. Like, yeah, you've just got out of there, yeah. He went, yeah, he went, you were green. And I was like, <laughs> made it worse. I was like, are you fucking serious? So I just went back to our little um, pit at the bottom of the chairlift. And I just sat there on my own, just cried <laughs> and anything, just sat there staring into space for about 20 minutes, um, processing it. So, but that's racing and that's why we love it, I guess. Yeah. yeah, I remember I did the first e-bike, e-cross country in Monsanto the year before, so I yeah. had a bit of a clue on what was going on. And I spent the race battling with Floyd's dad, so... <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, um, yeah, okay, there's a bit of a difference in some of the uh, motors. And uh, actually, Loic's dad had a huge crash because I was like cheering him on so much from behind and he went straight over a berm. Oh, dude. But, but Loic was like, yeah, you shouldn't be riding around behind my dad. And it was hard for me to understand like how all the riders 
like evolve between semi and final or how they manage that and how they improve their time and everything so like for me even um, I love that your response to that has just been to just win everything <laughs> I don't want you I'll just win fucking all of it <laughs> maybe it's uh, the easiest way I don't know for me but <laughs> Hello and welcome to episode 7 of season 5. What a few weeks of racing. It's been an incredible end to the season and I'm delighted that in this episode we're going to be joined by two of the young guns who've absolutely smashed it at the last two World Cups, Oshino Callahan and Hattie Harndon. But first, I need to start off the show with an apology. On the last episode, I said that I'd heard Jess Blewett had already signed for another team, which was in fact news to Jess. So I'm very sorry about that, Jess. I hear quite a lot of rumours and try to sort the wheat from the chaff or at least say where I've seen it or heard it um, if I'm not sure but on this occasion that one slipped through the net my favourite bit about this was the message I received from Emmy which read she's not mad mad which is a bit like your mum saying I'm not angry I'm just disappointed not a nice message to receive but we're all friends now and I'm delighted that Jess will be coming on the show once she's ready to announce and we'll have more team rumours later because as Jack told us on the group chat He's got so much gossip. Is that right, Jack? You want to tease us with one? Oh, yeah, there, there is loads of gossip, but I, yeah, I think uh, at the moment it's too uh, too early to be dropping too many names and uh, and specific speculations because I might end up losing a few friends if I do. Um, but yeah, I do know there's a new Mondraker team. Um, right. And I have heard it's going to be a really, really good time, but it might be pretty intense. So... Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, that uh, sounds good. I think, le- I think later on in the winter we can probably start, you know, dropping yeah. some more some more gossip stuff. But um but now that's all I'll say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Emmy, before we get cracking, how's Cammy getting on? Good. Good. She actually had um some more MRIs on other part of her body because actually her head is like feeling really good right now. All yep. the neurological tests she did, she was like uh, didn't have any symptoms, so no headaches, no dizziness, stuff like that. Um, but her thumb is really sore still, and she can't really hold, hold on to the handlebars. So I think, um, yeah, that's what is bothering her the most. And her chest also is painful. So they're like, oh, there's bleeding in there, contusions, but they wanted to be sure. And yeah, basically, she's going to have to go see a specialist for a thumb, maybe to make like a little brace so she can like hold on to the handlebars better. Yeah. Um, we're talking like normal trail riding, not like specific downhill stuff yet, but sh- so it's not getting like too painful. And, but yeah, it's like bone contusion takes so long to heal. It's like two or three months, maybe sometimes. Oh. So that's what she's doing right now. So no like proper training, but we're doing all sorts of stuff and she's in the physio every day. So it's moving forward slowly, but for surely. Yeah. And how gutted were you to miss the final two World Cups? Um, I don't know. Of course, like I was gutted not to go because I was. It was a good time last year for Bernard, yeah. and I want to like. I would have been very gutted if you won that one. I wasn't there to be honest. So I was like, <laughs> <laughs> but um, she. We watched the race, and like I think when she's not there, she's like not very gutted. Like she's like, oh yeah, well I'm not there. So, um, and watching semi-finals and finals. <laughs> for anyone but like for her at the moment especially it's like a lot of tv to watch in one day so yeah, yeah of course we watched the race and we'll she was also gutted Bernouin was missing 
both of them. Because yeah. that was a big motivation for her to see her teammates do well. But yeah, she's, she's not too bad with that. She's not like crying at home one-on-one and be there. So that's good. I think it's a good thing. Cool. Right, racing then. Let's start with Snowshoe and a whole bunch of surprises. Jack, this was your penultimate World Cup. How much pressure were you feeling coming into Snowshoe? Um, honestly, I wasn't feeling much pressure going into it. I was more just excited. Um, and then did what I did to my leg on run three and it became a little bit of a rescue mission, to be honest. Um, I've always hated qualifying. So is everybody who's not protectors and everybody who's not protected for this new semi and wants to get through to, or feels they can get through to the final hates the semi, if that makes sense. Yeah. So these two would arguably two of the worst of my entire career, especially Montedan, just because I so desperately wanted to race, um, the semi-final, which to me is still final. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I absolutely hated it. But the problem at Snowshoe was it was gradually drying up. So I finished practice and because the juniors then do their race before we qualify, there was going to be this quite long time window before our quali. So when I was warming up, like it was apparent in my head, I was like, the pace has been lifting this morning, but now with no extra practice, we're going to have to go maybe like three or four seconds faster than I initially thought. So I just rode super stressed. I made one mistake in the top section, nearly crashed. And from there, it was just literally a train wreck. Um, it's a good job of me doing a load of training because I never went over the bars about four times. <laughs> Which just absolutely all over the place. It was just a war to get down the hill. Um, really didn't enjoy the run um, like at all and was just just relieved to go through to the final. Yeah. And then the following day, I really enjoyed my race run. So, so yeah, it's good. Cool. So you were 54th in quality and then 42nd in finals. Interestingly, one place ahead of Gaetan Vige, who would go on to podium in, in MSA. Last year's snowshoe was so, so difficult. How did it compare this year? Because it looked like there was even less dirt and even more rocks. Yeah, this year it was really tough at the start, same, similar to last year because it was super greasy. And then it went through this weird phase of like, <clears throat> you kind of thought it was dry, but it wasn't. So you were trying to push. You thought you had grip. And then there's so many rocks that are all at weird angles. You can do nothing wrong, essentially, and be your rear wheel could be an inch left and it'll hit something and the bike will get spat sideways. And that's, that's how I actually did my leg, but didn't even leave the bike. But, um, by race day, it was, it was good. Um, and, uh, yeah, it, it's quite easy to ride that track when it's dry, but in the wet it is literally the hardest track on the circuit by a mile. Cause Val de Sol is dirt. So you put full spikes on and ride the mud. Yeah. The snowshoe, there is no tire in the world that you will grip to that wet rock. So you just like terrified every time you drop into it. So what tires do you run? On that stuff? Yeah. Mary's? Well, the new Tacky Chan. Yeah. Like, but if it was super wet, I would run a, a mud tire because the mud would then be all chopped up and you'd want the mud tire to the mud. And then, as I say, everything shifts on them rocks. Nothing's good on them. So um, you don't, on that track, personally, I don't pick a tire for the rocks. Like um, I'll pick a tire for what's going on in general and, go that way so i just ran tacky chans all week and by the end they were it was spot on cool and another rider who's retiring dean lucas had a horrible crash stretched his spinal cord which temporarily paralyzed him i know his recovery has been slower than he hoped but i think i speak for all of us when i say we hope uh, you make a full recovery dean the highs and lows of racing were truly evident with the winner of the previous round in leger benoit collange cracking his scaphoid in practice healing vibes to benoit we all know he'll be back on the bike very, very soon. In junior women, Aris van Leuven won by nearly six seconds from Taylor Osgaard with Valentina Roa Sanchez in third. Aris continued with a win or bust approach, Emmy. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think it's not it's not like that she wants to do that, but she's just the way 
she rise and like Jack said, this track also like when you do a mistake, you most likely on the ground. So, but yeah, Tyler Osgard is is cool to see, and she has a little sister that is still first year under seventeen, and she was second at the U.S. Open behind Nina, so she she wow. beat Nina in practice. So then another one coming in two years, and that's going to do great things. So that's that was great to see Taylor on a podium too. Cool. And the junior men, Milan Falke took third. Evan Metcalf put in a super smooth run for second. Have you heard Aaron's commentary on that, either of you? I haven't. Yeah, yeah, I've, I've watched every junior race. Yeah, mm. it was so cool. He's, he's saying the guy's, Evan's going so fast and Aaron's, but he isn't pedaling anywhere and Aaron can't work out like whether he should be trying harder or whether he's doing, you know, just doing great, but he needs to go down the gym. But it's true. He has a special style. Like even yeah. in in other races, I was like, what is this guy doing? But then he's just like... The time tells you another story, so that's pretty. It's pretty funny to watch him ride and bring like the junior category this year has been really good to watch. I feel like, and yeah. also like watching the live was be pretty interesting to see. Yeah, and I, I, Evan was—I'd never heard of him, but when I spoke to Ryan up in um, Fort William, he said, "You know, watch out for my buddy Evan. He's going to come good." And he was right. He's, he's had a great end to the season. Ryan took the win. He's fourth on the bounce, and with it, the overall. Uh, I was going to ask any word on where Ryan might be heading next season, but I think you've already you've already might have revealed that, Jack. Is that right? I couldn't possibly say. Couldn't possibly say. <laughs> <laughs> In semis, Valley crashed and still won, but Marine and Tarney weren't far behind her. Dak crashed and got fifth. Ronan fourth. Laurie's third. Oshin second, and Loic first. And in finals, it was nearly the same riders, just in a different order. Gloria Scarzi would take fifth. She's uh, had a great season, Emmy. Can you see her switching to downhill permanently? Well, yeah. I don't know if permanently, but she wants to do more for sure. And I talked to Fabian Barrel about like working with her as well with Canyon, and he really he said she she's really good to work with. I can. She's a hard worker. Yeah. I mean, she's also has a lot to learn because she's someone that if she doesn't crash, she will have like some podium pace. But she was still crash a lot, like at the Italian champs and stuff, and then get injured and. Not be a hundred percent for all the races, but now she's was strong, good technically. So I'm not surprised to see her there. And it's good for the other d- downhill girls; they get motivated when someone new comes, like Hattie or, or Gloria. So yeah. it's good to see. So they've just released the schedule today for next season. Mm-hmm. I've just seen it, and uh, there isn't as much EDR on the same weekends as downhill. There isn't as much downhill, I don't think. There's only seven races by lots of it. Do you think we're going to see people going back to doing both? Maybe it depends on the teams. I mean, for us, like for Pivot, obviously the mechanics and the team are a little bit like intertwined. So it's quite challenging as well when you look about it because some of the races of an EDR are in between the World Cups. Yeah. So you would do Fort William um, finale and then the third one, the second one in Poland. So it's like Fort William. So long driving. Yeah. So that's like. Yeah, I don't know exactly how they're going to manage it, but yeah, it would take a little bit of logistics to get everything done. But um, I wouldn't be surprised if if more EDR riders um, do downhill. It would be inspired by Richie and Gloria. As a team, is it better doing it this way? Like, basically, there's a race, not every weekend, but you know, like, they spread it out a lot more, but less on the same weekends. Is that better for the teams? Because the or worse, like they're on the road for longer, but they haven't got as much. I imagine it'd be less mechanics and less mm. staff. Is that? 
I don't know, it depends when the races are. If they are like close, it doesn't matter. But if they are very far, then it's more complicated. So I don't know what you think, Jack, as a team manager, but I reckon maybe it's even sometimes worse if you have to like move a mechanic from one location to the other side of Europe. Yeah, for sure. And the thing is, the sports are so, um, they're at such a high level now that it doesn't really work having riders doubling up anyway. So I think, yeah, if I was running a team that size that was doing multiple disciplines, no, that they would operate in different vehicles with different mechanics and they would have their own schedules. Because also like you've got different training schedules for different disciplines, different, it, I don't particularly think it works doing it that way anymore. The riders need to be focused on what they're doing and that would be my take on it if I was doing it that way. I don't know, like it, it's more like when I see Matt and Eddie doing downhill races, it's not really to, well at least Matt I know, it's not really for him to like perform like, a top 20 in downhill it's more like for him to win a um an, an edr race that he's trying to like you know doing this downhill races to like work on his top speed or whatever yeah and i think that is, really helped him the count the counter argument to that is is a world cup a place to do that anymore you get limited practice usually nightmare logistics where he's mm-hmm. doing that ixs cup so a race close to the venue he's going to next so that he has less traveling time like you know what I mean? It's, uh, the World Cups, in my opinion, are just getting so, as we've already discussed, so elitist that you're either there to compete in that top 30 or you might as well not be there anymore. That's the way they've made us all feel. Yeah, for sure. I mean, he was close. He's like between 30th and 40th of everyone. So he was like, I think he would put a little bit more effort and he would probably make it. But I don't know if his was his focus, you know. But yeah, it's, in, it's interesting to see for sure. And I don't know what their plans are for for next season but it's definitely going to be interesting to see yeah. who is focused on what yeah for sure it's tough tough to balance it all Tani took fourth Valley third and on any other day you'd have picked her for the win but she rode smart to clinch the overall that's a level of maturity we've perhaps not seen from Valley before would you say oh this year she's been very on it with her riding and I don't know why exactly but sometimes it just clicks and you just do everything right and I think also the fact that she crashed in Leger, like in a race run, well, she told me she was like, oh, I was so scared to crash like weeks or months before she hadn't crashed, even in practice for so long. And she was used to crashing before. She was like, if I crash, I'm going to hurt myself or I, I'm going to be injured for the rest of the season. So she was almost relieved to have that crash. Yeah. Actually, she crashed twice. So, um, and it took like some weight of her shoulder. So kind of, and then she, she ended up like doing what it took to just like, close the overall oldie so yeah my respect to that it's like some smart riding for sure yeah nina was second marine first top three separated by just 0.7 um which is some super tight racing for the for the women yeah marine's done well in the past there um she's always super motivated and she's like jumped that triple so easily at the i remember when i was my last race there she um she jumped that triple first and we were yeah. like whoa actually this is yeah. what we need to do here so yeah i also ended up like jumping it on one of my two races but yeah it's cool to see now like so many more girls did it even though it's like probably even a bit harder than it was then so yeah 1.7 is great racing so i was it was great watching for sure and in in the men's bernard took fifth this was the one wasn't it it must be it must be hard yeah. to be gutted with a podium but was he? Um, I don't know. I think he was probably more gutted last year. Yeah. Because he was so close. Yeah. Um, And I think he knew this year maybe that he was able maybe to do it. So 
he didn't take as many risks as he had um, last year. Yeah. And yeah, for him to win, he needs to take all the risks possible <laughs> at the moment. Um, but I don't think he was gutted because probably he wants more, but he was still pleased with like volume. He's someone that can switch that pretty easily. And yeah, he, he did a good run. So I don't know. I don't, I think he was, he was still kind of stoked in the end. I think I saw an interview with him where he said, I'm a good racer, but I just want to be great just for one week. And I just want to be a great racer, which I thought was quite a nice way of summing it up. Loris fourth, super smooth. Dak third, fastest in the rocks. Ronan second. And Oshin O'Callaghan, fifth in quali, second in semis, first in the race. And we'll be talking to him after these messages. Expert suspension tuning and customization used to be the preserve of the pros. Not anymore. Let the expert team at JTEC Suspension take care of your fork, shock, or drop a post to experience the feel of factory racing. With over 20 years' experience, JTEC Suspension are the OGs of buttery smooth suspension. Get the pro touch and get the best out of yourself and your bike. Visit j-techsuspension.co.uk and chat to the experts in race-ready suspension. Yo guys, I'm Charlie Hatton here from Continental Afton Race Team. We've just been out here for a week in Ride Southern Spain. Been absolutely sick. Five days of riding on dusty, dry trails. The facilities here are absolutely mega. Like the villa is really nice. Nice pool, nice uh, workshop area, bike wash facilities. So yeah, it's got everything you need really. And pretty sad, this is my last day actually. <laughs> it was mega. Yeah, I'll definitely be back. You can ride till your arms fall off, I think. <laughs> Double O, Oceano Callahan, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing? Not too bad. Thank you for having me. Cool. Pleasure. The off-season is upon us. Have you and uh, Ronan hit the bar yet? Uh, yeah, we went straight from the airport, actually, to the bar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I didn't see the videos to be there. I'm not sure if you actually want to see some of the videos, but yeah, it was yeah, yeah. a pretty big day. Yeah. And how, how long was the hangover on that one? No, we we're actually not too bad. We weren't too bad. Yeah. Athletes, yeah. <laughs> yeah, athletes. <laughs> so... Obviously, you grew up in Ireland, but you've been coming over to the to race the GB Nationals since you started racing in 2016. Yeah. Start off by just telling us a little bit about those days, because you need a committed parent to help you with that, and I believe your dad's been, been with you pretty much from the start. Yeah, with being that young, obviously you're not going to make it unless you have someone funding it and supporting And I was lucky to have parents that were willing to both buy the bikes, kit, everything, and pay for me to come over, and every time... To come over for our national race to get the ferry was pretty expensive looking back. Yeah. Obviously at the, at the time you don't realize too much, but looking back now that I have to pay it myself, it was, <laughs> it was, a, it was a, a big expense. So obviously without a parent willing to bring you, it's not possible to get your name out there or be able to compete. So grateful for all those days that my dad was able to bring me over. Yeah. You were probably just there moaning, going, why have I not got those fancy rims and why have I not got those fancy bars and all that kind of stuff? And your dad's No, thinking, well, he always gave me the best equipment. He never wanted to have my equipment fail, so he always went all in bike-wise and kit, so that was never a, an issue. Fair play. Yeah, I know Ocean's dad really well, and I can remember when, when I first met you guys, and Chris is absolutely on it with like prep in every area and you need that now, like <clears throat> these young guys coming in, the level's so high. It's uh, obviously Ocean's lucky he had that. 
All right, dude. So 2017, you kind of started winning um, from looking back at results. Irish national champ, nationals you were winning. Would you say you did pick it up quite quickly early on? Yeah, I'd suppose I'd done like a kind of a year before where just kind of testing it out a few races, not taking it too serious just to see what like everything was like, what the other riders were like. And then when I realized I could probably make a good go of it, we went over, done a full solid season, got a downhill bike, kitted it out and gave it a good go and managed. There wasn't too many like Irish riders to go to the British races and kind of podium or win before me there was only like a small handful so once I showed the potential that I was doing just as good as what had been done before if not better sometimes um my dad obviously was like yeah I think he it's worth the investment to go all in yeah so with that then 2018 you guys moved on to go into Europe uh Crankworks in Leger where you came second um tell us a bit about those first European adventures were they a big step up from what you were doing in Ireland I've been quite used to just going like away to Europe on holidays riding bikes from a young age. I've been going to Morzine since I was five years old. So wow. like every year. So going to those like Alpine tracks almost, it was almost normal because I'd spend a couple of weeks every summer of like my summer holidays just riding fast tracks, wide open stuff. So it was actually not as much of a culture shock as some other people that end up coming over the Europe kind of far just as their junior year and they're not used to how fast the tracks are compared to obviously I was kind of used and prepared thankfully yeah for sure so 2019 good results continued and you also you entered the competition that Martin Wiley and the the YT mob um were running they were trying to find two riders to bring onto their their team and what George and Emmy probably don't know, and I'd say 99% of these of our listeners won't know, is I actually had you signed, really, didn't I? Me and yeah. your old man have been chatting, <laughs> it's going to be my junior. Um, I thought you were going to say that you'd entered that competition then, Jack. Yeah, I also thought you were going to say that. I got a shame, I got, here we go. Gonna, yeah. <laughs> no, so we had, we had an agreement done, um, and I spoke to Chris the week before Russian went out to... Um, do the final week of that competition in, in Spain. And then was it first day, second run? Is that right? You injured yourself? Yeah. First day riding. Yeah. Uh, second run. I hurt my wrist and didn't ride for the rest of the week. Yeah. So I was just sitting beside watching everyone doing the timed runs. Yeah. That was part of the competition to like yeah. be on the team. And I was just sitting there eating ice cream with Angel. Yeah. Um, like, <laughs> well, I, I, I just blew, I just blew this opportunity. Um, just kind of feeling sorry for myself a little but I tried not to like get it let it take over too much and still try to stay positive positive and that's actually a major reason why Martin decided to still sign me yeah well that's how the conversation started with me and your dad he, you came home and he rang me and told me you hurt yourself second run and I thought oh good I've got him he, has, <laughs> he hasn't he hasn't been able to ride out there during the week to show how good he is so he's mine thank you and then Chris went however um, he was that good at him and his attitude over there. Da, 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 da. He's he's won, and I was like, right. And you know, everything everything's worked out well because you've had how many years with him and all his achievements. And I got down, and that's gone well. So, but yeah, that's probably a, something that not many people know. That um, obviously, me, yourself, and your dad had had conversations yeah. then. Um, but yeah, so anyway, you secured the full factory ride on the YT mob. Incredible thing. 
Did you find that that heaped a lot of pressure on you going into the following season or were you just amped up and ready to go? Um, I was pretty amped because it was kind of something for the two years before, even like longer than that. I was, all my aim was, was to do well as a junior, but to get a factory ride. Yeah. Because I was seeing so many of the English kids getting factory rides when we were in juvenile youth and they were all getting factory rides on like the English factory teams. And I was still a privateer. Yeah. Which kind of like drove me on a little. Pissed you off. Yeah. Understandable. Yeah. And then obviously I got it as a junior, which I think was the right time for me to get when it counted. Definitely. Well, you went on and proved that because um, after the first lockdown, first race back in 2020, went on and, and became junior world champion in Liga. Obviously a race I remember really well because Dan came in second behind you. So you both yeah. did first junior world race and, and were on the podium, which was great with the Scottish rider, James Elliott in third. T- tell us a little bit about what you can remember of, of that kind of week and that race because the weather was bad, conditions were tough and you were, you would have been 12th in elite. So what are the memories from that week? That week was like, it was just, it was kind of my first proper race week with the team because we'd only spent the week at test camp and then obviously everywhere just got shut down and yes. it was, I hadn't kind of seen any of them since it probably would have been February or March when we had the team camp. So I hadn't seen any of them for months and then going into Leo gang, I was pretty excited after spending the last like four months, just bike park laps all day. Yeah. And looking at how the weather was, I, I do, I like a wet race and it was like kind of all just what I was hoping for. And yeah. I had kind of pictured, I just like pictured doing well that weekend, the weeks before, and I didn't expect it to go as well as it did, but yeah, and all just kind of clicked. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, I remember, em, Emmy, I'm not sure if you were trackside that weekend or not, but I remember being trackside with... Oh, of course of the, I was. We, I couldn't, I didn't want to, had you retired by then or? Oh, no, I broke my knee that weekend, so I was yeah. trackside. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and Cam won, so, so it was like kind of a good weekend, oh, remember? Oh, of course, yeah, there you yeah. go. Well, yeah, I don't know yeah. if you remember the same as me, that there were just two or three juniors ushering down and a couple of others that were standing out during practice and everyone was kind of saying, okay, now those guys are going to go well. And then, and then you went on in finals and, and did. So yeah, it was definitely one to remember for you. Yeah. So straight after Leo Gang, we all traveled off to Maribor. It was five races in four weeks or whatever it was. It was, it was all very crammed, um, short on season. Taylor, two halves for you. You won the first two World Cups in Maribor. Um, the second one you won by six seconds. In loser, you seeded second both races, but ended up 24th and 20th. I remember you yeah. cracked one of them. Was the other one a crash as well or with a mechanical? A flat, t- flat tire. So, okay. How good were you? Because obviously Ethan snatched the World Cup overall from you. Were you still just happy with your season or, or was it not that feeling? I should have been. Now looking back, I should have been a lot happier. But I was so annoyed. I remember in that, uh, <laughs> that was a race. I was just a junior that I was so frustrated. Yeah. Like, I remember I just wanted to go straight home to the gym and lift, <laughs> drop heavy weights. I've never actually experienced frustration like it and anger. I was, that's probably the angriest I've been after a bike race because all I knew, I was told before, all I had to do was enter better and I would have got the overall. Yeah. And you chucked it in the bushes. Yeah. I don't know what I was thinking going out the staircase, but 
I just was trying to break every turn on the track. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've seen the crash video and I remember thinking, oh, yeah. look, what was he doing? He only had to come 10. <laughs> yeah, I just didn't make the turn. I just went straight over it. Would you say you, you went on from that? Did you learn important lessons and have you become a better athlete because of it? Or was it just junior na- naivety that is what it is? Um, it definitely taught me you have to still be somewhat smart. Like you have to play... Like I could have had an overall title and I just threw it away by yeah. just doing something silly. Yeah. And all I have to do is listen to the likes of Martin that told me some really good advice. Yeah. And it was simple advice, but I just, <laughs> for some reason, did not listen to it. Nothing to do with being 18 year old and full of testosterone. And <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, if, even I don't have testo- a lot of testosterone, I'm still doing some crap like that where you have a broken shoulder and you're not allowed to crash, but you still um, go full on and crash again on it. So, I mean, yeah. even if you're over 30, you do this type of stuff for sure. Awesome. Yeah. Totally understand. Yeah. Um, so, twenty, I understand what you're saying because 2020 was a weird season. Right? We had only four races, two different locations, and then not a lot of races for an overall. So, I guess if you like... Miss one, you already kind of lost the overall. So I guess it must have been yeah. very frustrating for you. And um, like like Jack said, um, 2021, so it's like your second junior season after being world champion, after winning World Cups and like by big margin, you would probably expect yourself to like dominate, right? Or like at least like be up there the whole way. Um, yeah. From the results, it doesn't really look like it pan out that way. Um, can you explain a little bit what the 2021 season looked like from your perspective? Yeah, 2021 was obviously I had big expectations going in. And mm-hmm. I did not meet those expectations at all, but only one podium at the last race. So it kind of, it, everything was going good until like qualifying day, I think it was in Leo again. And I'm not sure what I'd done to my wrist. It was going into the woods. There was all those rutted sections and I got cross rut and just like awkwardly fell on my wrist and got that weekend over and done with. And it was the week before Leger. I think there was a two week gap. I actually had a mass, not many people know, I actually had a massive crash and got a big concussion where I still can't remember anything. I was vomiting, like blurry vision. I had to stay in cold water, dark room for a few days. And this was all before kind of what was coming out with Reese or like the concussion symptoms. Mm-hmm. So it was like just the, I think it was the year before, or a few months before where everything was really starting to get exposed. And now looking back, I probably shouldn't have been racing. Like okay. I should have been taking time off. So I remember that week in Leger was like a massive struggle doing track walk. I couldn't remember the track. I couldn't remember practice. I couldn't remember the lines. And I was just like full struggle the whole week. And I was happy to get that one out of the way. And then it still took quite a few months. I remember like I was sleeping until like 12 o'clock during the day for like the next month and a half after. Mm. And I was having to get like woken up. So it took quite a lot, like a long time to get over um, like that concussion and head injury. Now looking back, I can see why there's a lot more like protocols, but it was kind of the year before everything got like really mm-hmm. big. And if it happened now, it would have been like a complete different story. There would have been, you would have been taking those races off. And then I was starting to feel like good in the bike. 
And then Maribor happened. Uh, didn't qualify for that one. So that was like a big culture shock. Not qualifying. First World Cup, mm-hmm. I hadn't qualified. And then went on to Val Sol and everything was like starting to feel back, back to normal, back to normal. Qualifying first. And then I almost got the second junior title. I crashed. I didn't get the second last turn before coming out of the woods. And I was green on all the splits. So I was, that weekend was the main weekend all year that I was looking for. And, uh, it was close. It just wasn't quite close enough. Yeah. And then Lenzer Hyde after that flat tire. And I was like, oh my God, this is <laughs> a, a yeah. disaster. And then we had the double header and snowshoe. Yeah. And the first one, again, I was green on the first, I think four splits and crashed or three splits crashed right at the end. And then there was only one race left. And I was like, I'm just going to go out and try and at least podium instead of win, try and win. And that's what I'd done. And I was actually quite happy to get that podium at the end of that year. Mm. After that podium and all year from coming back, like to come from winning at a big mar- margin to not qualifying and crashing was a relief to get a podium at least in my last junior race. So I was quite happy with that, with that one podium. Well, that's, I didn't know any of that. That's tough. Especially like, do you think, I know we talked, especially like since the past few years, a lot about concussions, but I can see that still with people like Miriam or whoever now, um, sometimes you think you're fine. And then like the fact of you, like also maybe on concentration or like whatever, do you think the fact that you were crashing more in your race runs, like, do you think it's also related maybe to the fact that you maybe struggled more to focus than before or did you notice that went away? I don't feel like I've seen you crash a lot in practice now when I watch you ride. So I don't know if it's like on that year especially or... It was more probably my two junior years I was crashing more. Mm-hmm. Not as not as much anymore, which I've managed to... <laughs> which is probably a good thing. Well, it is a good thing. But yeah, as a junior, I was... I remember in Maribor 2020, I had like... For that double header, I think four or five crashes over the weekend yeah. like massive ones yeah. all the time <laughs> and a, a little bit was, like Ronan <laughs> yeah literally I was just having huge crashes and somehow getting up yeah. which I'm still surprised about some of them <laughs> yeah but you think also because now you had that big crash that had such consequences like you you weren't aware maybe that crashing on your head could have such consequences on your season that maybe also one of the reasons why now you try to like minimize like the crashes also at weekend race weekends so you can like perform. You definitely try it. now coming off like such a kind of you could say a serious head injury or a big one, you're definitely more aware and you don't like a bit more cautious of if you're out training, you're a bit like, Oh, there's no need to send this massive gap. Cause that's all it was. I was out mm-hmm. just testing and sent this massive jump. And had a huge crash for no reason. And if now looking back, I should not have been sending that the week before the World Cup. On yeah. uh, testing something I'd only done. That was actually my first day on the bike I was testing. And I should like just been easing into just doing normal junior stuff. Not actually yeah. processing what's going on around me. Instead of just going up, doing a few easy runs, relaxing. I was just straight in full race pace. Yeah, sending big jumps and just not used to the bike at all, and just one small mistake just costs basically the whole season. 
Mm. Yeah, there's definitely a lot to learn from this type of stuff. Um, so this season, Jordan and Jackson joined juniors as well, 2021. Yeah. And um, yeah, obviously knowing now that what we know, they took quite the limelight from everyone. And it was a bit like, oh, you've got these two like generational talents that come out and smash it. Um, like, let's focus on them. Let's talk about them all the time. Did it feel like that to you as well? It was a bit like not annoying, just a bit, small bit frustrating that... Mm-hmm. Because there were so many races that I was green on the splits, but crashed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was, I was beating them like the year before, if we were racing like time-wise or the year before that. And then for everything just to get completely spun around. And I was, I knew I could go fast enough. I just was making small mistakes that were just so annoying at the time. Yeah. That every, yeah. every race I was almost guaranteed something to happen at one point. I was like, yeah. This is gone so bad. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, 2022, then you move up to elite after yeah. that hard 2021. And you qualify your first World, four World Cups. So that's like pretty great achievement. Um, you also tense in time training in Leogang, which seems to be a track that you like. Yeah. Um, you qualified 14th. Um, also a good indication of what was to come. What was the high point of 2022 for you? 2022. Probably was Leo Gang, yeah. but also it was tw- Leo Gang. I crashed in the race, but time training and qualifying, I was really happy with. Just mm-hmm. when it was raining, I was having such a good time. I was actually on dry tires all weekend, even in the rain. I was just having <laughs> in the mud, roll offs, full waterproofs. Um, got a little bit overexcited for the race, with it being kind of my first elite one, warming up at the same time as all the other big names. So I went out, crashed second turn, but that was uh, <laughs> an experience. Um, and then actually Andorra, I got injured. It was the first time, it actually been a w- since the start of 2019, it'd been the first time since I broke a bone. So it was almost like a relief that I was injured. Yeah. Like, because mm-hmm. it'd been like so long since I'd been out for a few races with an actual injury. It was almost like mm-hmm. a fresh start. Like I got back two weeks after, um, I was just like training, casts, broken collarbone. I was like doing road rides, like a week and a half in, and I was just like full fresh start. And when that happened, I was already looking forward to this season. Just loads of bike time and everything. It just reminded me back of 2020, getting injured at the start of 2019, Mm -hmm. kind of get refresh and then 2020 was a, a good one and it was just everything was lining up to be kind of the same yeah so you you broke your your wrist and your collarbone right in the crash yeah and you wanted to come back for worlds in leger but then um like you said was it the wrist that wasn't uh ready was the collarbone fine yeah, or? it was just the wrist the wrist because mm-hmm. i broke three bones in the wrist yeah Okay. And I was like really badly dislocated. All the muscle, it was mainly the muscles were just, they hadn't time to repair at all. And the collarbone, mm-hmm. the collarbone was all good. I popped out the AC giant. That was all good. And the week of the J was five weeks, five and a half weeks from mm-hmm. when I done it. And the cast was meant to be on six. So it was going to be tight if I was <laughs> going to be able to ride that yeah. week. <laughs> yeah. And I, tr- I tried to do one run, but it hit like the jumps and the braking bumps. It was. 
Yeah. It was a no-go, but it was still good to get out. I went and watched the crash this morning because it's on your Instagram, the one in Andorra. Yeah. And you got unclipped coming around a left-hander. It's pretty brutal. Yeah. yeah. It was such a, again, such a small mistake. I unclipped because I slid and I couldn't clip back in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like just in time and my foot slid off the pedal and caught a rock and just yeah. right over the handlebars. Yeah. It's really interesting what you said though about the reliefs that yeah. when you you get injured, sometimes you like, because in the script, it's, I meant to ask you if you were gutted, but it seems like you, you probably were gutted for like a few, a few hours or days, but yeah. It felt like some athletes, when they are under pressure of performing or whatever, and sometimes something like this happens, you can take time for yourself and like feel like you can, like you said, have a fresh start. Yeah. And it happened to me a couple of times as well. And it's pretty interesting that to see your perspective as a young athlete, especially like on a big team and you want to achieve stuff, but then you get injured and you're like, oh, this is my opportunity to like get ready, take a little bit of time for me. Yeah. And uh, yeah really really interesting like did you like i feel like you're not someone that is like have a scared after injuries like do you do you like recover mentally or so pretty quickly from the injury that you had i felt like straight after that crash and injury i was like fully refreshed like i was not scared to crash on those again it was more before i'd gotten so like almost three or four years without any broken bones i was like surely soon I'm going to end up end up breaking something again. <laughs> and then when it happened, I was like, oh, here we go. Like, I've sold it's much longer bone. now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, but like, uh, it's funny. Yeah. Like, fully refreshed. Like, I was like, yeah, let's go into the off season. Nice. Well, moving on to the 2023 season then. Um, you started well, second in Portugal um, at the round in Sayre, second at the Ajax Cup in Winterberg. Um but then moving to Lenside, you didn't qualify. You came 63rd. But I mean, you lost a shoe. <laughs> and I know yeah. where you lost the shoe. And I raced that race. And if you asked me to ride down from that whale tail jump to the bottom without a shoe, I'd tell you to fuck off. <laughs> um, how did you come 63rd? Bearing in mind that I was 43rd only, or 47th, I think, only 1.3 seconds ahead of 60th. So how the, how did you do that? Like, talk us through, were you in, was it hurting? I just can't wrap my head around it. Um, it was sore. It was, <laughs> but no, if someone told me, like, all I had to do was suck the pain up a small bit more, I would have done it just for that, like, 0.1 of a second. Yeah. But look, like, when I the shoe came off, I was like, I'm not, there's no chance of me qualifying if I stop. So I may as well just give it a crack and just stay going. How did the shoe um, come off? Well, there, there was, was kind of before the yeah. whale tail jump that we hit. And I actually on track walk after that, sent a photo into the, the group and was like, Oh yeah, I remember that. needs mm. to go. It's on the inside where we're tipping the bike in. And it, I said it ripped Ocean's shoe off today. And he didn't qualify because of it. And surprise, surprise, the next morning it was gone. Um, but yeah, that's, that's why the shoe come off. Yeah. But yeah, that picture of you going between the rock, you know, in the <laughs> rock garden where Gwynny got got. That photo, yeah. anyone's not seen it, look it up. You can just see how close your toes are to that rock. It's like, oh my God. I I am lucky that, like, <laughs> I was so close to hitting so many rocks. I am lucky my foot didn't slip off because I could have broken my toes, foot. Yeah. Or anything. So are easy. You, you're on Crank Brothers, aren't you? Yeah. Oh, so oh, did you know? At least you've got the little pins to dig into your foot then. 
<laughs> no, yeah. but Krampus <laughs> are the worst. They're like, you're just moving forward. That freaking <laughs> thing is moving around. Oh, I you, know. the egg bit is spinning. Yeah. yeah. The egg bit is spinning. That was okay. the sorest bit. That bit's sticking up onto my yeah. foot. Yeah, for sure. I, I'll believe I, you. It's a hell of an yeah. achievement, honestly. <laughs> okay, so moving on. 17th in Leo Gang, first elite top 20. Obviously, we know you like yeah. the place. Do you prefer it in the wet or the dry? I prefer any track in the wet. Even snowshoe? Snowshoe. You're a psycho. Um, I, di- I didn't ride it in the wet last year, but, uh, okay. yeah, but any, tr- any track, like Val de Sol. Yeah. It's I love riding, it's- yeah. I love riding a mud track in the wet, but I'm different to you. I'm putting my mud tires on. Like I'll still enjoy it and arguably enjoy it more than the dry. But not snowshoe, not then rocks. You're a savage. I just... I just <laughs> love when it's raining. Yeah. Do you think? Do you think there's a thing about that? Right. I, I've heard a thing that people say. You know, if you just go out and tell yourself, "I love the rain," "I love the rain," "I love the rain," and just go with that approach, rather than a lot of people go, "Oh fucking hell, it's raining." Oh, fucking I think that's hell. just life. Yeah. If you approach it is. anything with a positive mindset, you'll get way more from it than if you approach it with a negative mindset. Yeah. Well, I think it helps also if it rains a lot where you live. Yeah. And then you're like, look outside. You can't tell yourself, oh, fuck, it's raining. If it's raining every day, you'll be like miserable all the time. So if you live in California, you'll be like, oh, wow, it's raining. But like, I guess Ocean, where you live, it rains quite a lot, doesn't it? Yeah. Most winter rides are the wet, just fully soaked, like five minutes into the ride. Yeah. And you're just guaranteed to be wet for the whole ride. So it's just normal. It's normal. That's what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, Leo Gang was your first experience making it through a semi-final. Um, how did you find it? Are you a fan of the new semi? Are you, what's your feeling on it? Um, it's definitely different. Like, it, I think I preferred, I didn't mind too much at the start once I'd done Leo Gang, but going from doing Ford William with just one race run, yeah. then the way Andorra played out with just one race run, going back to Ludenville, having the semis and the finals was like a big culture shock. Yeah, I was. I wanted to go back to the way it was before, because I'd gone like missed World Cups at the end of last year, and then missed Lenzerheide, the semis in Leo Gang. It had been almost a year since I'd raced the World Cup. Yeah, it was kind of. I'd kind of forgot what it was like before. Novelty, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's funny. I asked. I asked Lloyd. Um, sorry, I asked Loris the same question in snowshoe on the chairlift. I think it was the morning before semi. Um, we were going up after a practice run. And his answer was, on some tracks, he doesn't really care. On some tracks, he maybe likes it. But he said, his words were, snowshoe, no thank you. Like, <laughs> his attitude was, he didn't want to have to do more flat out runs than he, than he absolutely had to. Yeah. So, yeah, I think uh, for the most part, I think once the track's anything like kind of a Val de Sol or snowshoe or Montserrat, people, are, especially Montserrat, where they give people no points. Um, yeah. It's just a, a hell of a load of risk. Okay, so Valdesol um, crashed in quali and didn't make it through, but then went on to Fort William and came 12th at Worlds. Um, yeah. Who were that one? Very, I was very happy with that one. Like, yeah. Then it was kind of my first top 15. I missed one, first top 20, missed one, first top 15. It was kind of all like clicking again. Nice. Okay. And then on to Andorra, where you'd obviously had a, a bad one the year before. Yeah. You came ninth. First top 10. So yeah. did it really feel like things were starting to build by that point? And it felt like everything was building, but I wasn't, I was trying, but I wasn't like 
getting too reckless, not too out of control. I yeah. felt like I was riding inside my comfort zone, which my plan was, but I wasn't having big crashes. I just felt like steady. I was just building momentum. Yeah. Okay. So we went on to Ludenville, eighth in the semifinal. Yeah. Again, like you said, building, uh, but then took a crash in the same corner as where Charlie and Benoit crashed. Yeah. W- were you disappointed? And, you know, you didn't get the final result you wanted or were you, were you just happy with your eighth in the semi? What was the feeling there? I was still really happy coming from the 12th, the 9th, and then the 8th. And I yeah. sh- I think my splits were still top 10. Yeah, yeah. So I was still really happy with how everything was going. Yeah, okay. So moving up to Leger, um, again, like you said, you're like on and off. You crashed in quality, so yeah, um, you didn't get that one, but... You were coming into Snowshoe with the uh, 43rd play, number 43. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's not, it's like a mid, midfield plate. Um, how were you feeling coming into that week? Like you were like, oh, number 43, like I do, I can do way better than that. Or how were you confident level? Yeah, my goal is to try and, because I, I was kind of getting close to the top 20 overall mm-hmm. before Leger. And my goal was maybe by the end of the year, I might just creep into the top 20. And then after not making it in the I got pushed back quite a few spots. I think you, were, I think you were 33rd, even though you had the 43 yeah. plate, you were 33rd. Oh, yeah, 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 because yeah. the plates you don't make up, any yeah. sense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I don't know, everything that weekend, I had two weeks at home. I think I rode my Enduro bike twice. My went on two big trail rides. So I didn't do too much in those two weeks. Just mm-hmm. relaxed, got of. And coming in to Snowshoe, I was like, I haven't ridden my downhill bike much recently, but first practice run, instantly I felt like, oh, that was good. Yeah. And me and Rona were just smashing laps all weekend. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. like, like we did, we try and do it most race weekends. We were just smashing laps and qualified fifth. And that was my fir- mm-hmm. actual first full run of the weekend. And I remember being like, oh, I thought that was going to be way more physical. And Everyone was like, that was so hard. And I was like, was it? <laughs> oh. I was like, I was like, oh, I actually didn't think it was too bad and qualified fifth. So I was like, oh, that was strange. Yeah. Maybe it was, maybe <laughs> it was just, I think went snowshoes, one of them tracks, like once you find the rhythm, it's easier than when you're practicing and stopping and stuff. My yeah. easiest run of the yeah. whole weekend was my race run. Like yeah. it was the mm-hmm. fastest run. And it was my easiest because all yeah. the other ones I was either like making mistakes and then stiffening up or so like you say, you've just found that flow state and gone, oh, I'm at the bottom. <laughs> yeah. And then second in semis, I was like, I was already, I was just kind of surprised with how fast I was actually going without trying as hard as I mm-hmm. could. And then. Yeah. It's probably a good time for me to just interject there because I was sat with you at the bottom yeah. after that. As we watched the last however many riders come through, um, I guess there were four after you because you'd qualified fifth. Yeah. So, and I have never, I don't remember seeing anyone, especially with the 43 plate on the front of the bike, mm-hmm. sat there so calm. You were just, yeah. And I, I think I asked you, didn't I? Loris was coming down. Was it Loris or Loic? Loic, I think. I, I said to you, do you want to come down last or do you want him to beat you? And you just kind of looked at me and you, I think you just went, I, I don't really care. Like, you just <laughs> oh, yeah, I was. so much confidence that you could go up there and do it again. And 
for any young racers listening, like I think that's what you've got to have. You had that self belief that you were like, well, yeah, yeah, I've just done that run. That was that was me, and I feel good. I'm gonna go and do it again. It was. But like, did you did you feel the same when you're actually at the in the Stargate and you were like second to last? Did you feel also as relaxed? So we are like a little bit getting the. Nerves? I was a I was a little bit nervous, but I think it's normal. But yeah, of the, course. With two, it wasn't like I done a bad semis or like a somewhat decent or yeah. a bad qualifying. You I knew I had the speed. I knew I had the speed. It was just a case of putting one down. Yeah. But that's like, it doesn't make sense to me though, because when I know I have the speed and I need to put one down, that makes me more nervous. Oh no, I'm the same notion. I'm, I'm nervous as fuck if the, if the evidence isn't there. Like, yeah. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Whereas that, and that's why time training was always so important to me when, like when I always used to be in time training and stuff, like I wasn't like Gwynny where I'd like, wouldn't do a timed run. Cause he'd just like be like, well, I'll be ready tomorrow. So I don't need to, I'd always need to like see that evidence to like as part of the process. <laughs> and then if I was getting times that were good and that would then lift me up and I'd be like, yeah, you fuckers are having it. And I'd be sat in the gate actually wanting to drop in and like yeah. short hand. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you like qualified 50th, like in Mont Anne, I'd add, I just, my head wasn't in it. And I was just like, I'm just going to roll down and enjoy it. Whereas if I'd qualified 10th, Fucking hell, I would have had boxing gloves on in the gate. <laughs> but I think I'm a little bit That's like... That's so like, funny. Yeah. <laughs> really interesting. So when you were like riding that, obviously we saw like the split, you were fast as a split one, um, top three in the other sector. Um, when you were riding down, like, are you talking to yourself? Were you thinking, oh, like, I've done a good run so far, like, don't bin it now? Like, how was your approach while you were riding? Are you totally focused? And I was just pushing kind of as hard <laughs> as I could the whole way. Okay. Because I knew Andreas, I was kind of warming up close to Andy, called at mm-hmm. the top. And he told me, you may as well, you just have to go all in. Like, mm-hmm. there's nothing to lose. You may as well just send it. Yeah, but do you, so think, was he, like, do you think he was telling you that though? Thinking, yeah, that'll he'll crash second corner. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's another Andy, person I don't have to worry Andy about. Andy wouldn't do it. Andy if that was Bernard, if that was Bernard, I would be like, okay, maybe. Yeah. But it's, Andy, <laughs> it's Andy, so I don't think... Something would actually change the start. I was riding with Ron and Andy all week and something would actually change that week as well was at what something Andy said at the start of the week. It was kind of slippy and there was rain coming. Mm-hmm. Our pro- rain promised that, that the rain never came. And I remember okay. Andy saying, um, I remember saying, oh, I hope it rains. And he's like, why? And I was like, <laughs> I, just pref- I was like, I just prefer riding in the wet. And he's like, I've seen you on track a few times today and you do not need it to rain. Yeah. And okay. I, and he said, um, I ride like some sections in the rain just as fast as some people in the dry, just because of how confident I am, confident yeah. I am in the <laughs> wet. And he said, if you can ride fast in the wet, you can ride fast in the dry. Yeah. And that was what he said to me, I think going into my third practice run on the first day. Yeah. And then I was like, that's a very good point. Yeah. yeah. And after that, to that point as well is like, being a good wet, a good wet rider essentially just means you're a really good technical rider. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and snowshoes are the most technical track on the circuit, so it's it's no surprise you you excel. They're gone. Say so, so what you're going to say. Sorry. And then after that, I was just like, yeah, you true. And I just uh, everything just started clicking. Then the qualifying semis, and then he told me again before the finals, and I was like, I may as well just go all in, like he said before. Yeah, and yeah, it paid off. 
Cool. So you're in the hot seat and I remember watching on TV and there's one rider to go and that's Lloyd Bruni. We all know what Loic did in the past this notion. He has a good record for this track. Um, so how did you, did you accept him to take it? How was your feeling? Did you like stoked already or? I was already so stoked because I hadn't podiumed yet. It mm-hmm. was kind of like, this is, I came into the hot, I would have been stoked if I came into fourth, second, third, mm-hmm. because it would have been my first podium. And then when I came down into the hot, into the lead, I was like, no, I actually want to win now. Like, don't want, <laughs> hey, I, don't, I don't want to, I don't want to podium. I want to actually, now that there's a chance of me winning, I'm like, yeah, I want to win. Um, and I was, I was tired after that run. I remember getting across the line and the, re- like the relief, the tiredness thing. I went into the hot seat was madness. I actually mm-hmm. it took a while to get my head around it. And then watching Bruni come down, it was tight. I was on the edge. I was on the edge of my seat watching. I was like, this is really close. And I think the split just before he crashed, he was like 0.038 up. And I was just hope, I was just hoping that with the buttons on his handlebars, when he got out of the last woods, mm-hmm. that when he started sprinting, if he locked his suspension out, it wasn't gonna, <laughs> he wasn't gonna gain too much time. And it could have mm-hmm. been. I think it would have been close, but mm-hmm. he would have definitely, I think he might have had me on the sprint, locking the suspension out. Yeah. So mm-hmm. when I, I actually didn't really see him go down. That's why I think my face was so shocked. I was like putting my glasses on. I was kind of looking ahead and Roland just grabbed me and I looked at the screen in front by the hot seat and he was just on the ground. And I was like, <laughs> I didn't even know what had happened. I was like, Roland just said, you just won a world cup. Yeah. And I was I was just in shock. Yeah, your face was a picture. It was, a br- <laughs> yeah. it was brilliant. It was amazing to watch. Yeah. It was like, so it was, good. Even I was like, I mean, I, I know Loic way better than I know you, but I was like, almost in my mind, I was like, oh, I'm so happy for this kid. <laughs> I yeah. never really talked to you before. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. So I was like, I think a lot of people felt like it. And obviously we were like, oh, hopefully Loic is not her or whatever. But um, he's tough, the men. And what did he say to you when he crossed the line? It be, I mean, I know how Loic reacts when something like this happens. He's so pissed. I was yeah. like, he looked really pissed when he crossed the line. <laughs> I think he was definitely hurt knowing that it's going to, the chances of his overall fight yeah, could have sure. been like, it, it was definitely going to end up coming down to the last race and with a few others possibly being able to take it off him. 
That was the main thing I think he was kind yeah, of pissed sure. over. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he sent me a message after the race, which yeah. like, like looking, I've looked up to for years, being a big idol was yeah. crazy to come down, like seeing him, like being so close. Um, it was absolute madness. Yeah. But, oh. Yeah. Sick. Well, you backed it up going into Montana and you're fifth in quality. Um, 18th in summy and then 12th in finals. So was it was it a little bit different after your win? Like, what was the media attention like that week? Yeah, I remember dropping in, I think, from my semis run and the amount of cameras that was on me. I had like two or three cameras in front, a few cameras behind. There was just photographers everywhere. Mm-hmm. Rolling to the start gate while I was warming up the whole time. It, it was, it was tricky, but... It was kind of like after I won Junior Worlds again. Yes. Yeah. It was the <laughs> same thing is how it felt. So it was just on a bigger level. Um, But yeah, that weekend again, it was my first time in Montana then. So it was yeah, respect. tricky. It was, <laughs> there was a bit of learning to do, which yeah. was helpful following Andy and Ronald again that weekend. They were just yeah. able to show me the lines and I was able to kind of get towed into stuff. But Warming up for the finals run, I was like, I was happy with how the season went from the weekend before and I just wanted to put down, I knew it was, the chances of me winning were like so slim. It would have been nice mm-hmm. to get a podium, even to get a podium it would have been like hard work with how many times the, all the others had been here. Yep. But mm-hmm. to be close to the top 10, I was so still so happy with. Yeah, yeah. for sure. That's an impressive ride. Um, my, I don't want to even tell you what happened my first time on Zenan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it took me a couple of minutes to get around it. Yeah, I mean, for us ladies, it's like really, really hard track because we spend a little bit more time on a track than you guys. So it's even longer. Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, it's... Now, I think this year they did a good job with the track. I feel like that new section was like pretty sick to watch as well. And it seemed really fun to ride too. It was, yeah. Um, yeah. But that was sick. Um, I reckon it's the most physical one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's it's a different type of physical to mm-hmm. snowshoe. Similar to Barbasol. Yeah. Like, it, I don't get arm pump or anything, which I'm quite, like, lucky with. I don't know why. Yeah. But one sent down was the only one where I was coming out of the last woods yeah. with, like, my fingers. I was like, my hands are actually tired from this track. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was, like, stretching my fingers in the handlebars. Before that last little sprint, before you going, going like this, <laughs> like no, <laughs> I, not quite that extreme, um, but I was. Yeah. That was a tiring one. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, so we ended up seventeenth in the overall in the end. So like that yeah. was uh, these two last races really helped you to come from like the thirty third place overall that you had before until top twenty. Um, were you happy yeah. with that in the end? It was like that was your goal. Yeah, I was happy. Like the main thing I was happy about, no, I didn't really care too much about anything else. That I just got an elite World Cup win. That was like the highlight of the season. Yeah, for sure. And for sure. all like the overall, I wasn't like too stressed about anymore. But looking back, it's hard to say. But if I like didn't miss out on those two or three other World Cups, mm-hmm. I could have like got an extra few points. I was looking at. But if I, it's hard to say. It's downhill racing. Does it, um, like, your mindset coming into Snowshoe of what you can achieve in your career, is it different now? Yeah. 
knowing that I you knowing that you have won one or being yeah. on the podium and you can't you, do it. Yeah, you just believe that you can be up there every weekend if you want if you have the right mindset. Yeah, there's no reason why you can't do it every weekend. So the current Chuez is a full 29, I think. Yeah. There's rumours of a new bike, which I presume uh-huh. will be mullet. Are, are they just rumours or have you been testing already? Um, There will be something coming soon. All right, that's fine. Very um, <laughs> <laughs> Also rumours of some big names joining the YT downhill programme next season. I'm presuming you're still on the programme next season. Yeah, I'm still, still there. Excellent. I'm not going to ask you about the people joining. I won't put that in. A lot, a lot. There's a lot of rumours. There are a lot of rumours. <laughs> there lot. is a lot. <laughs> Thank you for making time to come on the podcast. Uh, it was incredible, as I said earlier, to watch you win. It was just something good for the soul when somebody, you know, somebody different wins, somebody from further down the rankings. And uh, it's something special about our sport that someone ranked 33rd can still win a race. Um, I yeah. hope we don't lose that. Enjoy the F season and uh, best of luck for next year. Thank you. Yeah, well done, mate. Obviously, forward into the get-go and it's nice to see it all coming together. Keep it going. Cheers, Ashley. Yes. Yeah, mate. Thank you. Cheers. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Good. Cool. See you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. On to Mont Saint-Anne and your final World Cup, Jack. 59th in qualifying. Was there a point at which you, you didn't think you were going to make it through to the semi? Oh, mate, honestly. like As I said before, I've always hated qualifiers and... That one was was definitely the worst because I was like, I know I'm riding pretty well. Like I wasn't aiming for anything, you know, exceptional, but obviously I desperately wanted to race. The last thing I wanted at my last ever World Cup was to not qualify. Um, I think I was like 45th or something at the top split, just like everything was sound. And then I just, there was so many like soft holes and like areas you could crash. And I just took it too steady. Like I, I just was steady on the way down and I saw my time and I was like, oh shit, I'm not going to qualify. And I just went back to the pits. I think I went into 50th, but I was like, I know there's a few people left and I wasn't interested in sitting there and watching that. So I went back to the pits, got changed, took stuff to the car. And the only reason I was still hanging around was to get my phone off Sam. Um, I was like literally away. Um, and Roger Vieira come over to me. I was talking to someone else saying, oh, I've just blown my chance to race my last World Cup riding too slow, whatever I was saying. And Roger was like, mate, you're in. And Ro- Roger likes to have a bit of a joke. I know Roger real well. <laughs> I went, don't fuck with me right now. I thought he was finding me. Um, and uh, he, he, he knew I was like not messing. And he looked at his phone again, then he refreshed it. And he was like, no, mate, you're 59. You're in. And it was, yeah, it was just relief. I was just like, oh, for that like that would have been so embarrassing to be 61st again um so so yeah it was uh it made the 61st in Leger worth it to then be able to squeeze in there that's the way i'm seeing it and 48th in your final world cup it all panned out well didn't it it's you know i'm sure there's a lot of people if you were retiring there's a lot of people that wouldn't get into as many for semi-finals as you've done this season yeah honestly i've made six out of eight I was sixth first in Leger. Leo Gang, it was just the weather. I came down in that block where nobody really qualified. So, so yeah, consistently been in. I've enjoyed my season. And honestly, before we left, for, I mean, obviously we'll talk about this more when you do the 20 questions thing, but before we left for those North American rounds, I had big hopes of like making the final and maybe even finishing my best ever result. And certainly when I injured my leg in snowshoe, that all just changed. And my mindset gradually over the two weeks just became more about just enjoying it 
and just seeing it out on like a healthy, like happy way. And my final, my semi-finals run, which I had no ambitions by that point to be making finals. And the guys said to me when we were watching the rest of semis, they said, if you do have to go up again, what are you going to do? And I was like, well, I will honestly stop in the rock garden and have a beer with the crowd. Like, like I was so over it by that point. I just wanted to enjoy my day. Um, and just, yeah, see out 14 years of like, just what an awesome opportunity to have experienced. So yeah, it was just. Yeah. 48, 54, 30. I couldn't give a shit by that point. I was just enjoying it and I had a smile on my face. And yeah, it was, uh, you know, a bit of a relief it was over, to be honest. Just ready to move on there. Cool. Well, congratulations on your retirement. And uh, yeah, well done. We'll do the full, like you just mentioned, we're going to do the full 20 yeah. questions and we'll see if we can get Dean on as well and somebody else we've got planned as well. Um, so, junior women. Valentina Roa Sanchez took the win and with it the overall. That's a super consistent season for her. Top four at every round, I mean. Yeah. I mean, she was um, junior last year. So she also had a bit of experience internationally and was on the podium at Worlds as well in Leger. Yeah. Um, she had a few crashes in, in like a pre- some of the races she didn't, she didn't podium. But yeah, I think it makes sense that she took in the overall because she's super solid mentally as well and she's a super hard worker. The other ones are too, but they're still younger. So yeah. a, a year of experience in that age makes huge difference. So yeah. we'll see like most of the Kiwis are still junior next year. So it'd be a good fight. And, um, yeah, Lisa Bulodu was a uh, second year junior as well. So she's going to move up. Yeah. So Sasha Ernest was second, Lisa Bulodu third, which meant Lisa finished second in the overall with Iris third and Sasha fourth, which is a, a great return from five races for her. Um, Rumours abound that there'll be big changes at Trek Factory downhill next season. Will we see Sasha on that team full time? Um, I'm I'm hoping so. Yeah. Because, I mean, you wouldn't like pick up someone half season that young if you were like just going to be for a few rounds. It wouldn't make sense to me. But yeah, talking to Chandro, Jack said he was like, oh, I think he, he asked me about her, I think in Lenzerad already. And I was like, he was like, oh, I think she can be good one day. Like if we, if we, um, like give her a chance. So I think it's really cool that they, they did that. Cause I think she is the one with the most, um, let's say like room for improvement in yeah. her racing craft. Her riding is already amazing, but like the way she approaches races is sometimes, yeah, obviously she's, doesn't have a lot of experience and you can see that. So I think it's going to be a big help having people or surrounding her that can help her with that. So in junior men, shout out to Don Platt, who qualified first and, and ended up fifth, and Luca Furlow, who ended up fourth. But it was a French 1-2-3 with Kimi Viardo in third, Milan Falke in second, and Nathan Pontvion taking the win by nearly four seconds with nearly the perfect run, fastest in four of the five sectors and second fastest in sector two. It feels like the season started with a bunch of junior men doing really well. There was Christian Hauser, Leo Abella, Henry Kiefer, Bodie Kuhn, and they all got injured or their form dipped. And by the end of the season, we had a completely different set of riders on the podium. We've heard all season how wild the juniors are. Is managing injury the biggest challenge when, when you've got juniors on the team? Certainly one of them. Um, I think one of the other challenges is, like you said, like dips in form and like, it's something I was discussing with some, you know, Owen and some of my guys, like, like if there's an elite, if you have a bad day, you might be one second slower or two seconds slower than you, you essentially could have been. Like to use Owen as an example, I, I know he doesn't listen anyway, so he's not going to, going to hear me using this as an example. I've said this to him, but in snowshoe, 
in qualifying for juniors. Don Platt beat Owen by about 20 seconds and he didn't qualify. Six days later, Dom only beat Owen by three seconds at Monset Anne. Owen didn't crash the first time. You can't have a 17 second bad day. Like, and I think with the juniors, a lot of it is just getting them to have their process. And like Emmy just said, their racecraft boxed off enough that they're always turning up to work. And that's what we've seen Ryan do week in, week out, up until he hurt himself at Monson Anne. And I think that this all comes back to, I mean, what something you asked Ocean earlier, like the mistakes he was making as a junior. He's not crashing as much anymore and he's not doing this, that and the other because he's learned over the past four or five years. He's got his process in place. He's become an elite racer. And I think with the juniors, a lot of it is you have to be so on them all the time. They're either just doing something stupid or, and it's not their fault. They're just young. And this is one of the reasons, one of the pressures I've had to retire from racing at the top level, because while I've been doing that for my program, I've not had the time to constantly mm-hmm. guiding these guys away from the basically the dumb shit that that we all did when we were that age. That's my two pence. Yeah. yeah, with with the two juniors out of the team, it's also a new thing for me this year, having the Injuit and Ryan Griffiths on the team. And they're both very different riders as well. Like they both, one is almost like two meter high and the other one is tiny. And yeah. they have like both different strengths and like weaknesses. So it's, it's kind of interesting and hard at the same time to coach riders as so different, even though they came from the same place. They both love from Western Squamish. Oh, really? Yeah. But like, and they race on the same bike and everything, but they're like, and they're also sometimes really close as well in time. Yeah. But they're so different to coaches. It's really interesting to see. And I've noticed from them, like the tracks make a difference. Like for Dane, if there's a track that he likes and he can do well on, he will have that little extra, you know, that you put in. And like an elite racer has that as well. But I don't think he makes that much of a difference. For the juniors, when they they love the track or they like they like like gel with the track, they'll be so much faster than on a track that they like average, you know, like yeah. you said. So it's like really interesting to see and like, but I'm not surprised by the Frenchie because I know them from like previous years. And Nathan Pauvian has been winning the French champs or Her- also the French cups elite times. Yeah, but he's crashing so much. Like he crashed in snowshoe one of the like the vlogs from Eddie and stuff and he's had a lot of crashes but he'll be real fast next year in the elite for sure yeah. he's going through what Ocean went through isn't he he's finding his finding his speed and finding his race mm-hmm. exactly so in, in elite women Valley took the win by 13 seconds Marine and Nina were on a similar pace but both crashed out chasing second in the overall which Nina Nina claimed it was a pressure free run from Valley that wasn't it it was just a this is what I can do yeah, I mean, from from everyone racing, we were almost hoping Valley would win because it was like Marine was on one. She was pushing because oh, she knows yeah. with with Valley being that fast, she needs to like put everything out there. And she crashed in the very like almost the only like the last place you could crash. She crashed, yeah. and we were like, "Oh my god!" And Nina like double case the finish line and like rolled into the finish with two flat tires and i was like what is this <laughs> like there's some crazy scenario i mean she almost she had had her like spectacular finishes in the past but um we were like oh come on like valley put a like a solid rundown that we can have like a a race win and that really had a, a, a good run you know and she didn't she did that like she was like you could see she was completely focused and 
hit her line, didn't do anything that special, but some places she was going real fast when she knew she could and some places she was running so far, so it was impressive to see. And after taking third place in semis, our next guest claimed her first podium with a fabulous fifth place. We'll be back with Hattie Harden after these messages. My name is Amory Pion and I asked Trilby to develop the best downhill tire ever. Amory asked us for something that offers an edge over Magic Mary. We are all looking for something new, I guess. We needed something for more precision. So from that, we just worked all together to, to make it happen. Being fair, actually, the team started the development. Maxime, he started to cut down a big betty and try to get it into shape to make it work. The grip is just perfect. The Takichan just gives you the best precision you, you need. It just gives you a lot of braking traction, safety and corner hold. It's like riding on rails. So if you're an active rider, it's super rewarding. If you're a passive rider, it's still a fantastic time. If you're enjoying the Making Up the Numbers podcast, hit subscribe now so you don't miss an episode and drop us a review whenever it's convenient. For additional content, follow us on Instagram at Making Up the Numbers Racing. Choose single track. Choose print. Choose digital. Choose an independent mountain bike magazine. Choose mountain bike culture. Choose adventure and mishap. Choose great stories and glorious photography. Choose ad-free access to our website. Choose time out with a mug of tea. Choose an annual subscription. Choose a monthly subscription. Choose discounts in our shop on a range of ethical products. Choose bobble hats. Choose hip flasks. Choose gift subscriptions for your friends. Choose single track salvation for your arse. Choose a username. Choose a community. Choose to support independent publishing. Choose your future and our future. Choose single track. Hattie Harnden, welcome to the podcast. I know you've been shocked by some of the results this season, so I ask this with the greatest respect. Has the Monsen and results sunk in yet? Uh, not really. I'm not sure if it will sink in. Uh, it's a very surreal moment and yet kind of something I never thought, well, certainly not something I would have achieved yet. So um, yeah, still enjoying it the moment. <laughs> still enjoying it. You, you went to, did you go to Trek's like, head office or something after the race because you've only just got back haven't you yeah yeah we went to wisconsin to yeah visit the track headquarters for a few days and say hello to all those guys so yeah that was that was really cool and yeah it's nice to see the people behind behind all of what happened yeah i think that must be a sign you've had a good season if you're invited to the factory at the end like you know like here's our golden girl (laughs) (laughs) yeah i felt like i did all right so yeah made people happy <laughs> cool so let's go back a bit because you started racing cross country in 2014 when you were you were 13 is that right yeah gosh <laughs> so took to it really 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 well 2015 2016 national champion and then you were picked up by tracy mosley how big an influence has tracy been on you huge huge influence uh she actually lent me the first bike i raced on Right. So even though I didn't ride for her team for a couple of years, there was a, like, a couple of old bikes at Trek that were just going to get chucked and skip. And she ended up lending uh, one of them to me. And yeah, that was my first race bike. So I've actually always ridden a Trek. I've never ridden anything else. But um, yeah, she's been there from day one. So she's seen the whole progression, which is 
yeah, I feel very lucky to have had her there. And um, yes, couldn't really think of anyone better to have had there, to be honest. And has she encouraged you to like pursue different disciplines? Because as soon as you, I was looking at your results and as soon as you joined like Timo Racing, you started doing Enduros. I think you won the under 24 category at Tweedlove when you were 15. Yeah. That's a fair old, that's a fair old age bracket to win <laughs> when you're 15, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I think that was one of the first, uh, yeah, first ones I did. Like, uh, yeah, just in the UK and she always thought it was, would complement the XE and yeah, like you could never be too overly qualified, I think was her idea behind it. Like you could always be better and it would complement it, even if you were a bit, um, almost a bit, yeah, a bit too, too good at the downhills for the cross country so yeah it's always I think people people are quite surprised actually not many people know that I have actually raced enduro for actually really quite a long time in the UK um yeah she just started it young like basically as soon as I was old enough um so yeah like it's always kind of been there although it was never something wasn't my most enjoyed thing because whenever we seemed to go it would be chucking it down with rain we'd spend two days in the pouring rain, cold and wet, riding around on bikes all day. Um, but actually, I mean, it's a lot of fun. And I think I had a bit of a, a skewed view on it to begin with until I made it somewhere sunny to have a go yeah. at it. <laughs> <laughs> so we're not going to go into all the races because you've done a lot of racing. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of racing. Say how young you still are. You've amassed already 130 results on routes and rain and there's a lot of first places 2017 i noticed there was like 15 races 13 wins a second and a third and it was the third that interested me because it was at the uk enduro champs at graithwaite yeah and i went there in 2020 when it was a it was an ews qualifier and i went home on saturday night because it was so technical and there was no flow and I really wasn't enjoying it. So it's the only time I've ever done that, like not not raced on Sunday, just gone home. <laughs> I don't think I've ever been back there. I don't think you've ever been back there. Did you feel the same about Graceway? Um, I just have one distinct memory that I got stuck in a bog <laughs> and went over the handlebars <laughs> on one of the stages and that was and I remember it being really rocky but that was all I remember of just like me falling into a bog and just being covered head to toe with mud I think I was quite happy to just get through the day <laughs> no I think yeah it's questionable yeah yeah I've never been there it doesn't look like much much fun to be honest so t- 2018 you won some cyclocross races and I mean, I've never done cyclocross, but I've got my perception of it. Um, I'm going to ask you the same question that we asked Omri Piron when he was on the podcast. Um, did you enjoy them? I did. And actually, I have to admit, um, I missed it because this year I'm <laughs> going to race some more. Wow. Oh, wow. There we go. Yeah. Not like at a World Cup level, just at like a national and a regional level. But I, I have missed it actually, which I didn't think I would be saying. Yeah, they look brutal. Yeah. So it's like an hour of max heart rate, right? Yeah. Doesn't sound good. <laughs> yeah, with the muddy bogs, but they're meant yeah. to be. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Definitely some good winter training, though, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's better than going out and riding on the road for like three hours. So yeah, I'll take it. Yeah, for sure. To be fair, I don't do that either. And if I was going to choose one, I would choose a cyclocross. 
Yeah. Okay, so 2018 XC World Champs in Lenzerheide, third place as a junior. Um, yeah. I mean, that's a, a huge result. Um, it almost kind of defies logic that you wouldn't be doing that discipline now. Um, tell us a little bit about that race. What are the memories from it? I know it's five years ago, but. Um, no, I have a lot of great memories from it, actually. Like my family came out to watch and um, it was, yeah, I was very unsure as to how I do would do. I'd had pretty rough year. Um, I like had started pretty kind of average and um, I actually ended up getting coached by Tracy uh, for a while that year and it changed a lot and I was just really enjoying riding my bike and um, yeah, I just have like my biggest distinct memory was my brother used to run along next to me up part of the track nice. at the climb. And it was very annoying. And <laughs> so you just trying to get away from it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was like, he can run at the same speed that I'm trying to ride at. But no, I, <laughs> I, I really loved that race actually. And going back there this year, racing downhill was quite like a wholesome moment. I felt like because yeah. yeah, that was one of my favorite races. And actually I would, would love to go back and just ride around the track again. Cause yeah, it's, yeah, one of my favorite places to go to and yeah, probably one of my favorite moments in my career, actually. <laughs> nice. So 2019 Cyclocross National Champion, you go from the Shrewsbury Sports Village to then Lazor racing EWS. What attracted <laughs> you to the EWS? Was it always the plan or? The, the Cyclocross was very unexpected. I wasn't expected to win it. Um, and then the transitioning to the EWS was... It was something Tracy had always wanted me to do, and uh, she'd wanted she'd been keen for me to do one the year before, but it like it just never fit in. And then yeah, we had this random opportunity, and it was quite weird because I did a race in I'm trying to think where I think I did a race in Latouille. No, it wasn't Latouille. I can't remember. I actually it was Latouille. I got dropped to Geneva Airport. I got a train down to Gap and then across to somewhere else <laughs> all with like a bike and bag <clears throat> on the train and then Tracy and her husband James picked me up in their camper van and we went racing in Lazor. <laughs> it was quite like a, a bit of a journey especially as like a I think what was I like 17 year old getting on a train across Europe but um, yeah I think it was just something Tracy would always wanted me to have a go at and being her thing and yeah, I I ended up actually really, really enjoying that race and yeah, um, yeah doing a couple more. So nice. I think it was a good choice. <laughs> yeah, we t I did have a question. So you won every stage, but you had a three-minute penalty. Is that right? T tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so I broke my wheel on the Queen stage of the day, which I think was stage two. And okay. that was back when enduro racing was over two days. And so I just rode slow for the rest of the day and then we changed the wheel which increments a three minute time penalty yeah okay. um so yeah that was unfortunate but i knew i was riding fast so that was quite cool well nice so happy it's just really interesting to have you on a podcast because um i started with xc as well <laughs> and now i'm riding many, down many, many i was riding down even <laughs> Shut up, Jack. <laughs> he's, trying to make me, he's trying to make me feel old. And I can say it. He's say it. I don't need your help because when I'm reading the next question, 
<laughs> and I'm asking you about your 2019 Worlds in Montanan. You were junior. Yes. So you weren't even 18. Okay. Right. And I was like 35. So, see. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you were going back and forth, um, EWS and then back to XC. Um, you finished 12th in the junior woman. That's yeah. probably from your face. It sounds like a bit of a disappointment, especially after, after getting third the year. Yeah. What? Yeah, big, big disappointment. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think I started the year on the number one plate, um, mm. and um, I got appendicitis like in March that year, and then mm. I ended up having to have like two months off my bike. Like I had it removed, and um, yeah, I wasn't allowed to do strenuous exercise and things like that. So I missed like uh, yeah, like two months of the season, and that set me back quite a lot and I never I just really never got back up to speed with everyone else to be honest and so yeah I definitely finished a lot lower than I wanted to um yeah disappointing but um is what it is <laughs> yeah but if, a few weeks later you're like do the OBS in Zermatt in Switzerland and then you won the under 21 class so that's what <laughs> is we're always talking about this like doing different disciplines and especially the training like you doing two different disciplines like that um at the time and now even more done how do you how do you go about training for different events or format um i definitely done like more gravity like yeah more downhill training over the years slowly and after that like i started going to the gym um but I think uh, I think I was just always a bit over. I like to be overfit for what I'm racing and like mostly racing enduro. And uh, but I still always trained more for XC. Um, but yeah, now more downhill stuff. So yeah, there's less and less pedaling in my life than there has been. <laughs> but uh, I try and sneak more back in when I can. <laughs> but. Um, it's actually a really hard question to answer because I really don't I really don't know if there is an answer because there's so many different ways to train and there's no well there's no right way to do it. So I think as long as you're having fun and you're reasonably fit and strong, I think you're going in the right direction, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, for sure. I'm not sure anyone actually really knows what they're doing. <laughs> I definitely <laughs> do. <laughs> Just kind of go with the flow and hope that it's the right way. <laughs> yeah, well, they definitely did go the right way because the year after that, in 2020, you won the first three rounds of the EWS. But then you paused and you did some more XC, which you, you had probably under 23 your first year. Is it right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah solid result, like top 10 and like in 11th. Um, but you were not winning. So at which point do you like decided to concentrate more on enduro and do a full series? And what do you know, we know about you and your results so far? Um, actually in those, um, XC races, I had an unfortunate moment where I do wonder sometimes if it had played out different, whether I would actually be racing enduro now. Cause in the, Second race in Novomesto, I was leading the race and my chain snapped the, yeah, the under 23 race. And I wonder if that hadn't happened, whether I would have had like my moment where I like won my first under 23 World Cup and 
ended up racing XC rather than Enduro, but I guess we'll never know. But, I have um, a question though about that. Yeah. Do you ever had your, the Olympics in your mind, like playing a role or not? Uh, yeah, I did want to go to the Olympics. It was never like the thing. No, like I know people that all they care about is going to the Olympics, which I respect, <laughs> but that's not necessarily what I wanted. I did really want to go to the Commonwealth Games last year because it was in Birmingham. So like the closest big city to my hometown. Um, but yeah, like the Olympics was never the real thing. Like for me, the real thing is the rainbow jersey and. Yeah, I don't think you'll ever beat that personally. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, I was a bit Olympic crazy when I was cross-country rider. I think that delayed my conversion to a downhill rider. That's why I was asking. Oh, okay. It's good that you were not going Olympic crazy because I was like, yeah. Interesting. (laughs) So so you concentrated fully on Enduro then. Um, You had your first win in AWS in 2021 in Ludoviel. Um, yeah. How big of a buzz was that to like get that first like elite win? It was it was really crazy actually because um, I was actually lucky that Tracy was actually there at that race and I got to share that moment with her. Um, it was actually the first venue I ever went to and uh, raced an enduro abroad. Uh, I think I went in twenty seventeen. Um, just did like a random uh, like super enduro with Tracy. And I loved it then and I, I loved it when we raced it, um, what was it, 2021? But um, yeah, it was it was a very surreal moment because it was at no point in the day, um, well, I think I won the first stage, but I wasn't actually really necessarily like set to win. It was very much all played down to like the last stage and yeah, it was a real shock and yeah, I remember I made a bet actually with our one year at the time because I love chocolate milk and I got a whole litre of chocolate milk and I drank <laughs> it all at the finish line and I felt very ill afterwards. <laughs> but it was completely worth it. It was completely worth it. <laughs> nice. nice. So 2022, you followed up with two more victories and you finished uh, third overall. Though I think in the season you, you broke your elbow. Is that true? Uh, yeah, in Whistler I broke... Yeah, I broke my elbow. Bloody Whistler. Um, Were you left wondering um, what could have been without that injury? How are you feeling about the whole year? Yeah, I definitely did wonder uh, because I felt like I had kind of steadily improved on my year that year. Um, So, yeah, it was a little frustrating, but then um, everyone had had their struggles that year. So I think... Yeah, I was I was happy to just go one better than the year before, to be honest. I'd come so close the year before that I wasn't going to finish lower than third. <laughs> I said to myself that I will not get beaten to third place again. <laughs> nice. Can I just jump in there with a question? Like, I, I know you a little bit from, we, we've pitted next to each other a couple of times this season and um, you're like this all the time. You're dead bouncy, dead dead fun, smiley, happy all the time. I can't almost imagine you going into like this serious racer mode. <laughs> That's quite funny. Do you, at what <laughs> point, because I like, I, I pit, I've pitted next to you twice, I think. Bala and, I remember Bala because my little girl came and there was another one as well and it was just a good crack. And at what point do you go into like, net right now I'm going to put a run down? Um, I'm, I'm not actually the most serious person. I don't think when I do that, actually, like 
I like I need to be like relaxed and calm. I don't think I go into like a super race mode. I just kind of um let things happen. Almost <laughs> this sounds really weird. But like you get into that flow, it's like that flow state that people go on about and I have I think I've experienced it a couple of times and that's when I know I ride my best and I just need to be relaxed. I don't need to be super serious. I know some people do, but I I don't and I prefer to just be having a good time and having a laugh and then you don't overthink things too much. So yeah, I think that's, yeah, I think that's the answer. Yeah. So, but just to ask about that, was it different when you raced downhill? Because obviously we have only like kind of one chance or? I actually find it easier in downhill because you can, like you sit on the turbo trainer, you sit and you put your headphones on and you can go through the whole track in your head And that puts me in that like flow state. Uh, I don't like, I don't need to be super serious or like, I don't know, maybe that is considered serious. <laughs> no. <laughs> But um, yeah, I don't need to like block people out. I can be there having a laugh. As long as I've gone through the track, I know what I'm doing. So I actually find it easy. Whereas in Jura, when you're just plodding around for the day and you're trying to remember like half an hour of track, it's, yeah, it's, in my eyes, it's more complicated. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Interesting. Okay, so on to this season, there were seven EDR rounds. Um, and to run through them, you were fifth in Medina, second Blue Derby, ninth in Petra Bagheera finale, fifth Blue Gang, fifth Val de Fassas, fourth Ludenville, third in Chatel. I mean, incredibly consistent, left you third in the overall. I mean, Isabel and Morgan have been the top two for a good number of years now. Um, you did mention five or 10 minutes ago that when you're doing your training, you're not quite sure how it's going to work out. You just kind of hope it does. So that leads us into my uh, question, which is, do you kind of have a plan for catching them? Do you feel like you can in the next year or two? What's uh, what's the target? Yeah, I think this year was a bit of a bumpy year um, in my eyes, not because of the results, just because of how I felt I rode. And I, yeah, I've proven in the past that I can go as fast as them. I think it's just, I just need to unlock it. But um Yeah, I think there's definitely things I want to do this winter that I want to like tweak in my training. And yeah, I think I didn't find that calm state that I needed enough for the enduro this year. Like it is like a, approaching lots of little downhill races in one day now. Like you watch the girls, like I was speaking to some of the other ones like ALN and Bex and Noga and those guys, you chat to them and everyone goes out the gate like it's a downhill stage. like. That is the one stage that you like want to win, but then you do that like seven times a day. So I think I just need to learn a little bit more about uh, the approach um, and yeah, just being ready to go straight away for each stage. I think that's more something I've, I've found has like changed over the short period I've done it anyway. So yeah, yeah I think it is possible to catch them. They are pretty speedy, which is... Um, Well, they're French, so they're speedy. <laughs> But yeah, I, I'm hoping to catch them next year. Fingers crossed. Um, maybe we can go one better than this year. We'll see. Nice. Yeah, split them down the middle. So as you just said, you've raced EWS for, for a few years. Um, tell us a little bit how you feel that the media coverage and the media profile has changed um, because obviously you've come from XC and you've seen downhill. Have you noticed a bit of a difference in the coverage between the sports or...? 
Yeah, the coverage between the sports is definitely different. Like you, uh, I guess it's easier with the downhill and the XE because it's all just in one space, uh, really? like one track over the day. Yeah, enduro is definitely a funny one, and it's definitely changed over the last few years. I think not to be negative on what they're doing at the moment, but it. I think the coverage hit a peak like last year where we had pro stage and they brought out like a uh, fill. Uh, a video for that like a highlights video for that and then for the main day and um, we kind of got summary videos at the end of the year whereas this year it's been definitely been more slack and i think that's because they've taken on a lot on their plate covering all of them and yeah jury is a lot different so it, i think it needs to be rethought through a little a little bit um but yeah i definitely think they can do more with it so i think there's room to grow which is good uh they're not yeah it's it's not as good as it could be. So, yeah, we is, did hear a lot of that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I think, yeah, I think it's good though because there, there is a way. There's definitely a way to improve it. So they just need to figure that out. I think. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think I think it's cool though in the downhill the XE how much coverage they they do get. I think that's great, and that's what the sport needs. So, so yeah, I'm interested to see how they how it goes next year as well. What progresses. So on to downhill. Riola was your first national and you won that one. You then went to Fort William for the national and did a five minute 23, which as George will definitely agree to is an impressive time. What's your PB, George? 6.23, I think. There you go, some smoking, George. (laughs) Um, You went on to Lenzerheide, turned up, made it all the way through to finals and came nine at your first World Cup. How much of a surprise was that? Or was it not? It was a really big surprise actually because... I only first got a downhill bike, literally, I got it on the 23rd of December. So it was like a Christmas present from the team. Um, but actually, the only reason I got a downhill bike was because I went on team camp with the downhill boys in uh, December. So like Reese, Cade, Loris and Bodie. And they were all telling me that I needed one and that I should have a go at a downhill race because I this year was the first year I ever done a downhill race and they were like, oh, you should have a go at World Cup. And I was like, oh, no, like I really don't. Yeah, I'm not sure that's a good idea. And then I remember, um, I think it was Reese sent me the changes they made for this year and it said like only top 10 make it to finals. And I messaged him, I was like, nah, I'm rethinking my, my downhill debut. It's not going to happen this year. I'll never make it. <laughs> and he was like, no, nah, you'll be fine. Like it'll all work out. Like, yeah, just go for it. And he was right, and I think, yeah, it was a surprise for me, but I'm not sure it was for for some of those guys on the team. I think they yeah. almost had more faith that I would do it than I did. Um, yeah. But yeah, it was it was really 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 cool, and we just went with it as it came, like through the day, and um, yeah, I think just unfolded how it was going to unfold. <laughs> yeah, nice. So you then went on and won the national at Langolan and national champs, beating Tani and Phoebe in the, the horrible conditions that we had. Did, did you enjoy that weekend? I really enjoyed it, and I actually wanted it to stay wet for finals. Yeah, me too. I was pissed. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think I was actually more annoyed that I stayed on muds for the final run and really didn't need it. No. <laughs> but um, no, I, I loved that track. I think it was it wasn't necessarily... Uh, super downhill style I think yeah like yeah, the yeah. very narrow single track not really much line choice but um yeah yeah I thought it was I thought it was really cool and I think they did a really good job of it so 
yeah, it was just another one of those weekends where it was just fun and it just kind of all clicked together. So that was cool as well. Yeah, it's funny you should mention that about the track actually, because the last time I was there, I think was 2017 and I came second to Charlie and Elite and I used to love that track <laughs> and I enjoyed it in the wet this year, but I hated it in the dry just because I've spent the last six years racing fast, wide open World Cup tracks and mm. then I was back in there with trees that weren't cut back, very tight <laughs> track, twisty corners on an XLV10 29er. So yeah, like, <laughs> I agree. It was like, it was totally different to what we're kind of normally racing. It was, it was definitely eye opening for me. Okay. So you then went up to Fort William for Worlds. Um, a very impressive time, a 5.12, sixth place in the quali. Um, but did you go off track in your finals run? Is that, is that right? Yeah. I went off on like one of the fastest bits of the track at the top. Um, just as it opens out after all the rocky sections before yeah. you go into the trees. And I just had like a, I don't even know. I just blinked and I was off the track and I was like, fuck. And I had to like run back up to go through the right poles. Yeah. So that was unfortunate, but uh, I think it was just sick to be there, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, nice. Absolutely. So Snowshoe, unfortunately, crashing your semis run meant you were 13th. Um, and onwards to Montserrat. I guess the last time you were at Montserrat would have been for, for a cross country. Is that right? Yeah, well, it's 2019. Yeah. 2019. Okay, there you go. So so going back there, you managed to qualify 14th. Um, <laughs> so just squeezed in. But then <laughs> just squeezed in. Semi. It was very touch and go, stood at the bottom. Yeah, I was 59th. I know the video in. <laughs> <laughs> no way. <laughs> but yeah, so but you, you turned that around in the semis, third, and then... Uh, as we mentioned earlier, fifth in the final and uh, at a World Cup podium. Did you love the track? I I did, but it was really challenging. I remember looking at it in practice thinking this looks amazing. And then I got on the track and was like, oh my God, this is the hardest thing I've ever ridden. Yeah. Mm. And felt like I was riding really slow and just there were bits that were stopping me from linking the track together. Like I'd stall in one section or something and... Um, yeah, it wasn't until, um, the morning of like finals day where I actually kind of started to just let it flow a bit more. And I think that's yeah. why things kind of turned around a bit, but my poor bike took a bit of a beating. So I'm kind of glad we just made it down in one piece. <laughs> yeah. And a So yeah, that was, that was pretty surreal, but I think it was quite cool to know coming over the finish that like I was guaranteed a podium because of where I yeah that was quite special because then we kind of started celebrating straight away I was like I don't care where I should be now this is amazing <laughs> the top five is good yeah yeah That's yeah crazy. that was pretty cool nice so what a great season for you so obviously now the question is what are you going to do in the future you know what's the plan for next season obviously finishing on high note like that in a DH side um, have you changed your plans or what, what are you going to do? Um, no, my plans are going to stay the same, actually. Um, I'm going to still do all the Enduro World Cups and then I'm going to try and do as many of the downhill ones that fit in, which is currently four, but we'll see. I was putting it all into my calendar and I was like, damn, it looks like I'm going to try and move to Europe for like five months. <laughs> 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 so I was like, mm, maybe I need to do a bit of thinking here. But um, I would like to race as much downhill as possible. And yeah, it's pretty addictive. So yeah, I'm, I'm not really sure. 
So is that like, are you completely free of what you choose to do? Or is like you contract to do certain things or? I'm very lucky that whenever I've signed for Trek, it's been very fluid as to what I can do. And I've always used that to my full advantage and raced lots of different things, which they love as well. So um, yeah, I'm free to more or less do what I want. But um, yeah, like going to still have another crack at the Enduro. I mean, who doesn't want to win the overall? So yeah, that's that's the aim, but it's a tall order at the moment. So uh, yeah, I'm just going to give it another stab and see what happens. How old are you now? I'm tw- 22. <laughs> 22, yeah, okay. <laughs> so if you train full-time for downhill, so I started downhill at 21 and I raced for 15 years, so you've got some time. <laughs> if you yep. train full-time for DH, how far do you think you, you could go? Um, I like to think... Um, uh, well, you know you I mean, can go fifth because you just did. So yeah, yeah. I, I like. So to you think can you I, can podium. Yeah, I like to think if I really went for it, I could win one. But I mean, Valley's on a whole other level at the moment, um, as she seems to show again and again. Um, but yeah, I, I like to think I could I could regularly be on the podium if I really went for it. But I'm not really in any rush because. <gasps> I feel like you kind of acquire a lot of injuries racing downhill. That's my lesson this year is like every downhill I went to, I like acquired a new injury. <laughs> so, yeah, that'll, that'll <laughs> yeah, so I feel like I'm not really in any rush to kind of speed that process up. So, um, yeah. Nice. Which one is your favorite discipline if you had to choose one? <laughs> I think I could get in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> We know the answer to that then. Yeah. yeah. I don't think you need me to answer that one. No. Okay. Okay. We leave it to that. Um, <laughs> which one have you found harder? Like the, the transition from XC to Enduro or from Enduro to DH? What do you think? Uh, I think the transition to Enduro was quite a natural one, actually, for me. I think it just kind of built each year until I was doing the full like yeah did a full series so I think yeah that was quite natural and if I'm honest it's not I'm not saying it's come easy but it's always felt very natural for me to do um it's certainly not easy (laughs) but I think to downhill is yeah is definitely a big step like the level's so high and you can't make a mistake and you can't um yeah you just got to be on it all the time which I think is the hardest thing you don't get like a second chance to to do it better almost i i mean i, I felt like i did a montanan scraping it into semis and then pulling myself together but yeah it's so tight and i think yeah that's it's a hard time to be in in that sport so at the top of the show emmy was saying about how some of the pivot guys use downhill as a uh, a tool to help them go faster at enduro now you've ridden that fast in montanan do you think you can go that bit faster in the Enduro? I, I like to think so. Um, I think it does help, definitely. That's kind of why I started having to go at the downhill stuff. Like, just, yeah, the speed and the processing stuff coming up too fast. Um, yeah, I, I think that's the plan. That's what I'm hoping is going to happen because I feel like I'm going to want to ride downhill quite a lot this winter. So, <laughs> so I really hope it helps that much. So I just wanted to ask, full 29 on the slash, I think, 
Is that right? Mm-hmm. And mull it yeah. on the downhill bike on the session. Any reason why you prefer it that way around? Um, in all honesty, I've not actually ridden the slash yet as a mullet. And I did actually run my downhill bike as a full 29 in Snowshoe and Monson Anne, actually. Um, right. The first time I have ridden it as a 29. Um, but I actually, I actually know, sorry, I ran it as a full 29 at Worlds as well. Um, wanted the extra rolling at the bottom yeah. track. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I think for the Endura, like you need more of the, the carrying the speed and the bike is so much smaller already to have a smaller real wheel isn't necessarily, um, a big, like a big thing you want. Whereas I feel like in the downhill, like you're riding a longer slacker bike. So making it a tiny bit shorter and more maneuverable at those high speeds, I think is, is pretty good. And it's a lot of fun to run a mullet, ride a mullet. I think <laughs> the first thing I noticed, like going around corners, I was like, oh, this is really fun. <laughs> but cool. yeah. So we can't end without giving a shout out to your mechanic, Lundy. Who- yeah is one of the nicest guys on the circuit and also pretty handy on a bike. Is he fast? Are you faster than him or is he faster than you? Well, we actually did test this out. We did the, we both raced the Pierce Cycles race earlier in the year at, um, was it Rita Fallon? Yeah, Bala, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And fortunately, I was faster. Thank goodness. <laughs> <laughs> I was, it wasn't a lot though. It, I was only like five seconds faster than him. So, um, yeah, I, he is very speedy actually, which is actually really quite cool. And yeah. I could definitely learn things off of him. He's definitely a far better jumper than I am. Um, things like that. So yeah, it's quite cool actually. Cool. Well, look, thank you for coming on the show. And thank you also for being so lovely to my daughter at Bala. She's, she's only six, but she recognized you on the, on the TV at Worlds. Aww. And I think, I think it blew her mind a little bit that like, that, that's that girl that I was talking to at Bala. So that, that was lovely. Um, <laughs> best of luck for next season. Um, uh, we can't wait to see what you achieve. Hopefully we'll see you back at the downhills. I was going to say, that or us is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we all know it's going to happen. For <laughs> sure. <laughs> Thank you very much. Cool. Thanks, Thanks for having us on. Yeah, See you well. Cheers. Thanks. Jack, we didn't quite get nine winners in nine races, but we were so very close with Ethan taking second. Jackson won the semi by five seconds, the final by four, with what looked like an almost effortless run. Does his riding look as smooth in person? Yeah, it's it, yeah, it's it's frightening, really. Like it's just as you said, he just looks like he's floating down the mountain. It's uh, he. He's so small, but he uses that to his advantage. It's never a hindrance. It's always something that he's using to benefit him. And anyone who hasn't been on a watch his Monson and POV is well, it's well worth going on and watching because you can just see how he's moving the bike around. And yeah, it's really impressive. Ethan's run was almost the opposite. Absolutely <laughs> wild. <laughs> but one end, one end to the season for him. I was in the, in the gondola on one, one of the practice runs. I think it was me, Ethan, Wynn, maybe Roger. And yeah, I think Ethan was making it pretty clear that it was either uh, a podium or he wasn't interested. Um, so it was impressive to see him lay that run down and then also not back off every time. He almost had like a, a basically a near death experience. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, fair, fair Fox, that was very impressive. And there was three or four of those near death experiences. Oh, the one there? off to Stevie Roth, man. If that had, if that had done on him, wolf. 
But he just kept going, so fair play. Super Bruni took third and with it the overall. Almost a different winner at every race, but still only 13 men have won the overall in the last 30 years. He's the man, isn't he? Jesus, yeah. Just the, what he's achieved over the last 10 years is just incredible. Yeah. Do you think we'll have a new new winner next season, though? A new winner of the overall? Yeah. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. All, all we, if you were gambling, you'd only put it in one pot, wouldn't you? Mm. Absolutely be a certain mm-hmm. amount of Santa Cruz. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. After the season he had, Jackson, so what? many difficulties. Yeah. Like, he was, like, almost dying, he was saying. Like, he could have died after a surgery when the surgery went wrong. Whoa. And he was like still second in the overall <laughs> and winning the last round by four seconds. You're like, what is this guy up to? So yeah. is is really impressive. So I've seen a bit of an interview with Bernard and I couldn't quite work out. If Bernard had have gone if he'd have beaten Loic, would Jackson have won the overall? Is that what he was saying? Or was I misunderstood it? So Loic uh, ended up third, Bernard fourth. But if Bernard had beaten I haven't done the maths on it, but I can't remember what the points gap was. I don't know where Loic had to finish if Jackson won for Jackson to win the overall. Right, I couldn't I remember. I haven't, I haven't looked at the points gap. Yeah, Mm-mm. yeah. I thought it was further back than than, than fifth. Yeah, but, I thought so, but... But yeah, I might yeah. be wrong. I haven't looked. Mm-hmm. Bernard fourth, top 20 at every race this season, sixth in the overall. Solid season for him, Amy? Yeah, for sure. It's the most consistent he had so far, I think. Yeah. Um, his absolute result was were better last year, but I think... He was kind of like closer. I think he's the only guy that top yeah, twenty every 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 race. Every race, and, yeah. Um, yeah, I think he he's lurking for that win, and he's. I don't know if he's ever gonna stop before he get it, <laughs> but um, yeah, he's capable of it. He just need to click, and sometimes he's he's trying to pace himself, not to peak too early. That way he's doing, and I think if we ever would go back to a quality final format I think would greatly help him to achieve that win because I don't think he's very like I thought Lundeville was the one I was I thought he was going to win there but then he crashed pushing too hard but yeah we'll see and tell us about that bike is it going to production I don't know actually I haven't talked to Bernie about that obviously I wasn't at the last races so we didn't really get into detail I haven't heard any conversation about it um um Probably at some point, but I don't know yeah. how far they are. Cool. Gaten V's fifth with incredible result, which again shows that riders from outside the top 30 can get on the box. I think it also highlights the need for ESO to stop doing what they're doing and trying to strangulate the sport. Because how amazing was it seeing Gaten yeah. achieve that? Whether you were where we were watching or whether you were at home going, who's this guy? Yes. Like He just came fifth at a World Cup, like achieved his first podium. He was privateering in the car park out the back of a rental car with his mate who was doing some mechanicing for him. Like that will all go away if they keep doing what they're doing. And it it would be such a shame to see that that kind of magic of the sport lost. Well, would would Oshin have been racing? You know, he was racing. He's on a factory team. It's different, isn't it? Like he is, but he was ranked 33rd in the world, you know, before, before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If there's yeah. a top 30, would he have been in it, you know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. It, go, it, it can go all the way down to there, for sure. Yeah. 
Well, I think that's about all we've got time for. Sorry we didn't get onto the team rumours, but we'll we'll definitely do more of that next time. Thanks to the wonderful sponsors of the show, Hope Technology, JTEC Suspension, Revolution Bike Park, Ride Southern Spain, Schwalb and SingletrackWorld.com. If you're enjoying the podcast, I'm sure you know what to do by now. Please subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And if you've got a sec, please drop us a review. Alternatively, please give us a follow on Instagram at Making Up The Numbers Racing or facebook.com slash making up the numbers. Thanks for listening. We'll be back with more in a couple of weeks. This has been the Mammoth Production for Making Up the Numbers. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Are you a reality TV junkie? Do you ever think, dang, I wish I had someone to talk to about all the trash TV that I watch? Well, look no further, garbage lover, because Reality Gaze is a podcast for you. Hello, I'm Maddie. And I'm Poodle, and we're the Reality Gaze. We talk about all your favorite unscripted shows like The Golden Bachelor, Love is Blind, and TLC's big, messy behemoth, 90 Day Fiance. And if you're driving to work, folding laundry, or just pretending to listen to your husband talk about sports, just put on the pod, and you've instantly got two gay besties spilling all the tea and reading these people for filth. So come at us, y'all. Find Reality Gaze wherever you listen to podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com